You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, made in harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I'm pretty confident every single one of them is listening to Tech Bites, the show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is an app called Eat Okra. If you are a devoted listener to Tech Bites, this will be a familiar story to you. We first met Anthony Edwards and his wife, Janique Edwards, back in 2019 when they had launched their app. It's a great story. It's a story that we've been following since then. And you want to catch up. It's episode 164 back in 2019. And we last spoke with them, episode 210, right around this time last year in 2020. It's a really uh, charming story, and it's like so many stories where people invent things because they need something. Janique and Anthony had just moved to Brooklyn back in 2016, and they were doing that unpacking first night in the new place, new neighborhood, and they needed a place to go eat. And they were used to being in their old neighborhood where they knew the businesses, and they knew who owned things, and they knew where they wanted to go, and they had no idea where to go in Brooklyn. They did know what they wanted. They wanted to maybe go to something in their community. They maybe wanted to find a Black-owned restaurant. Wouldn't it be great if there was an app for that? And now there is. They launched Eat Okra back in 2017. They came on the show in 2019. And I went back and looked at the show notes and listened to it a little bit. And um, the notes were very charming because it was uh, Janique and Anthony, then boyfriend, now husband. (laughs) So that was great. And I noted that they had 200 cities and 1,200 restaurants back then, three years ago. So today we're welcoming Anthony Edwards, co-founder of Eat Okra, and now also CEO and CTO for the third installment of Eat Okra on Tech Bytes to find out what's happening. And they have some very big news that they just launched on June 19th. They are doing a big, big round of fundraising which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But first, Anthony, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you, Jennifer. It's great to be back. I'm so excited to do the show again. It's like a full circle moment uh, in a way. Yeah, it really is. And it's funny. You were first in the on the show when we were in the studio out at Roberta's. It, um, the Heritage Radio Network studios are two repurposed shipping containers that are in Roberta's Pizza Um, And so we got to meet face-to-face that first time all those years ago. And since then, we've been recording remotely because of global pandemic. So it's funny because it's nice to have you back, albeit like virtually, but it's an interesting, strange, familiar vibe though, isn't it? Right. I still go to Roberta's, you know, pretty like once once a quarter or something like that. And I'm like, oh, this is the studio where we recorded the Jennifer Tech Fights all the time. My wife says it. If I don't say it, my wife says it, so it's funny. <laughs> Well, the studio is open, and we will go back, and we will start doing some live shows really soon in the near future because there is nothing like doing live, a live show in person with pizza. You really can't beat it. And in all honesty, part of the draw of doing the show, um, I would get guests because I would lure them in with promises of pizza. <laughs> easy. Sold. It's too easy. So is that surprising to you to hear or to think about back in 2019 when you were first on the show that you were in 20 cities and had 1,200 restaurants? Yeah, like it shows how like how much we've grown now because, you know, you know, now we're at 12, approaching 13,000 restaurants. So from 1,200, 13,000, that's, that's a lot just, just in its own. It's really quite amazing. So last year we had you on in 2020 and we had you right around the same time because you, like this year, you had a launch last year for Juneteenth. Yes. And tell us about what you were doing back in 2020. 
gosh, what were we doing back in 2020? Can you jog my memory? You were, what? You were, you were um, launching a crowdfunding campaign on Fun yes. Black Founders. Okay, so yes, 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 yes. So that was great. Yeah, that was a great time. So 2020, we did our first raise after getting some, some really nice traction. So we decided to raid on Fun Black, Fun Black Founders with Renee and her team. And we were able to raise about $30,000. That was to really help us. Really, it was initially, we had to do it because during that time in 2020, June 2020 specifically, we had 150,000 people download the app. That's coming off COVID and George Floyd. So Eat Okra started to really, really trend and, and really pick up momentum during that month and it continued up until today even. But... At that point, we realized that we needed help, my wife and I, because 8,000 people submitted listings to us. And there's just no way that we were able to process that amount of listings to get new people on the app, new restaurants on the app. So that, that was a savior <laughs> for us back then. So at that point in time, it was the pandemic. We were all kind of sheltering in place. Um, although with everything that was happening, um, in the world between the pandemic and George Floyd and protests and, you know, people starting to think about social justice, who owns a restaurant, supporting restaurants. It was also a time when because of the pandemic and because it was so economically devastating, people really wanted to support local things in their community, wherever your community was. And we talk so much about, especially for the episodes with you, who actually owns the restaurant and how does that impact your community? Because sometimes people, you know, think that, oh, this is a, a locally owned business and it's actually not. Maybe it's owned by a corporate chain or something like that. And the money goes out of the community and, and to someplace else. So you really hit a perfect storm of interest, I think, in terms of your app being really useful and something that people wanted. Yes. Yes, it was. It was really, you know, we thought it, that kind of, support was out there we, we felt like you know there's definitely certain pockets but definitely not at this rate you know it happened so fast and it was just like oh yes a lot of people want to to support black-owned businesses if they knew where they were at or really that like just it's just about the education that is there a tool out there to do that many people have emailed us even to this day like i didn't know this restaurant across the street was black-owned and I've been looking for a way to, to find Black-owned restaurant, but I just didn't know how. You, do you have any competitors? Yeah, we have a few competitors. Um, you know, all the delivery platforms and the Googles and, you know, the, the main players in the delivery space all have their own segment of Black-owned restaurants that you can now filter by. Um, and then there's a few other competitors, too. Um, Black and Mobile who's doing a great job. Official Black Wall Street is doing a great job. There's a ton of amazing influencers out there that are doing the same work, uh, either on their website or through their social media channels. There's, there's a good amount of um, competitors, I think. Which there were not initially when you first came on the show and when you we were first on. We had a conversation back in 2019 about how at that point in time, who owned the restaurant was not a, you know, was not like a characteristic or a tag or a search item that you could use in just the general restaurant listing things. And that is certainly something that's evolved recently, um, over, you know, 2020 and in the time in the recent past. Do you think that all of these things would have come to pass? I mean, you were definitely creating something that people were interested in. You had the idea back in 2016, so you were very much ahead of the curve. It was very much driven by just wanting to support your community in a very natural, just kind of like everyday way. Like, I live here, I want to support my people and my community, and, and let's make that easier. Do you think you would have been as successful, grown as successfully, if there weren't all these sort of like really cataclysmic, really just lightning rod moments? No, I don't, I don't think it would have, George Floyd passing really opened up 
it was just a perfect storm of of that timing with COVID and like really everybody glued to the news um, to find out the latest about COVID. And then when George happened, George Floyd happened, it was like that and COVID was the cycle for, for weeks. And that really brought the attention to, to this community and really, again, highlighted the injustices that's been happening since the beginning uh, of slavery. And, and then that just brings on the whole social justice conversation about policing, about education, about access to capital. Um, and that kind of conversation just led, you know, full Black Lives Matter movement going on, full social justice reform movement. And then it was just like, but Eat Okra, it was about, it was about um, how do we support these restaurants who are doing such amazing work in the community, have the least, least amount of access to really succeed past a year, two years, three years. So how do we support them? And then that's where Eat Okra really stepped in. But, you know, I think that when it comes to segmentation and really tax, starting to tag different restaurants, a lot more people are doing it now, for sure, over the last six years since we started in 2016. You know, there's Latinx tagging now, there's Asian, you know, food, there's minority, there's LGBTQ tagging. So it's really becoming a conscious effort for a lot of people to understand and want to know who they're supporting and where that dollar is going. So we're all trying to keep it, keep the dollar in our community a little bit longer and not just send it out to corporate and to who else after that, you know? So we're, we're just happy that we're able to like really provide another layer of, of cycling that dollar within the black community. Has your point of view about Eat Okra changed over the past two years since we last spoke to you in 2020? Has it changed since 2016? And again, you know, the, the, you know, necessity and desire being the mother of invention, you and Janique, you know, really creating something, um, you're a family now, it's a family business, you're, you know, you're helping family businesses and community and things like that. But given um, where the world is today, has that changed your point of view as a founder? You're a father now, has that changed your point of view about what you want this app to do sort of beyond that initial hey, wouldn't it be great if we just knew where to go? Yeah, it's certainly changed as we get into this thing. Um, one is, I'll, I'll just start with my background. My background has never been a business kind of mindset. So I've had a lot of learning to do just about business. Like, how do we think about a full product? How do you build a roadmap on that product? How do you like envision it and communicate that to the team? So I've always thought about it as literally a, from a tech perspective for the first couple of years, which was, let's just make a great directory of Black-owned restaurants that was easy to use, easy to search. I can use it wherever I'm at in the United States and learn about restaurants. So that's pretty much it for like four years how I thought about the platform. But as we've grown, I've understood that and with connection to like brands, I'd say specifically, um, what kind of need they needed for to um, support Black-owned restaurants. Like, there's a lot of them that do have products and programs where they want to get in front of restaurants. So now, as Eat Okra is able to bring this community together to benefit from different brands on different services that they offer, promotion, savings. Um, so I never thought about that in the beginning. I think. We're also, and when my partner comes on a little bit later, Jason, he is an expert in the culinary space. He is also an educator. So we're also working on, like, how do we educate? How do we educate these businesses? Because a lot of them are mom and pop, kind of similar to how I was, just not having that background and, and really business, I'd say, just to put it broadly, in business, to, to run a company. And that's where his his expertise lies. Is just really how do you how do you have the proper leadership to run a team? How do you understand your numbers and what do they mean? So we've now we're really thinking a lot deeper about those questions. Like how do we provide loans to restaurants? You know, this is a typically an industry that's not great on providing capital, giving access to capital for these businesses, especially now with the recession. People are talking about inflation. 
So that money is going to dry up and a lot of restaurants are going to be hurt by it. So we want to make sure that we're in position to, to step in and help when that does happen. So many people create um, businesses or apps around restaurants from the point of view of being a restaurant consumer, because that's the most common experience, even though everybody probably worked in a restaurant at some point, right, or some sort of food business, everybody worked in a coffee shop or scooped ice cream in college, or maybe waited tables at some point or, you know, worked um, in a kitchen someplace at some point, uh, such a common, common experience. But for the most part, like you and Janique, you started Eat Okra as diners, as customers of restaurants. I'm a restaurant customer. I want to go to restaurants. And so you build something for the customer who ultimately is, you know, one of, who's half of your business equation. And then now you transition over to the other side of what do restaurants, the other half of our equation need. And I will say, you know, in all of the years we've been doing Tech Bytes since January of 2015. Um, today, this will be episode, I'll have to take a look and see, I think you're episode 256. I think is the episode that this is going to be numbered. I'll have to double check wow. that. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to believe sometimes, you know, quite honestly, <laughs> that we've done that many episodes, but it's very rare that we have uh, restaurant tech or restaurant tech. Yep. This is going to, this is episode 266. It's very rare that we have restaurant tech and apps for restaurants that are created by restaurant people. Because it is often so much the consumers and restaurant people are just inundated with running their restaurants. As you found out being a a small business owner, you just became inundated with running your restaurant. When you first started Eat Okra back in 2016 and and, um, almost up until, you know, we saw you in 2020, it was just your side business, right? You're a you have a military background, but then also we're in technology, and this was your side project at home, like, oh, we'll work on this a little bit over the weekend. At what point did it become the family business? Um, not until January of this year when I went full time, you know, um, first four years was, wasn't just a weekend <laughs> project <laughs> I was working on. I was working on, I think, like a full-time job while having a full-time job. So, I was, you know, 20, 30 hours, um, weekends, mornings, nights, I was just grinding and I don't even know why I was grinding so hard. It was just a, a hobby project. But I always saw, like, the future vision of it, you know, as, at least a lot of people being able to support it and use it at some point. Still not thinking about, like, how we're doing on the business side of the house now or, or other things that we can do from it. But it's been it's been a lot going on there, I think, Well, tell us what we spoke to you in 2020, um, right after you launched that raise, the fundraising for Juneteenth. How did that go? We saw you for the the beginning for the kickoff. So tell us how it went and and what what you did with the money. (laughs) Yeah, so when we raised with Fund Black Founders, we raised about $30,000 and we were able to hire about four people so we hired a team that's that did the data validation for us they call restaurants they make sure that they're black owned they input the rest of the data into our system so that we have good pictures we have good information last thing i want is for people to just have a a list of of a directory that's just bad data that's just you know restaurants have closed or not exactly accurate so we try to make sure we do our due diligence on every single restaurant to make sure they're legit, they're open, or at the right location. With that money, we hired um, like a marketer who does our social and uh, email marketing as well. Huge help, all things. I was, you know, and that's really what the thirty thousand went to. Um, lawyer I had to get a lawyer with that and make sure we recovered legally. So now we do own our um, own our name. You know, uh, we it's, got a, a it's important. And everything. Yeah, it's important. People may not if you have a business, 
even if your business is your name, you don't necessarily own it. There are a lot of stories about chefs and restaurant people where a chef thinks they own their name or they own the things they created. And it turns out sometimes they don't, which is just really strange and, and fascinating. Um, if you're a small business person and you don't have copyright on your name and trademarks on all your things, after you finish listening to this episode, think yes. about doing that. And you can do it yourself also. It's very easy to do online on the U.S. government trademarks website. Um, you can download forms and process it. It costs a few hundred dollars. So you don't necessarily need an attorney if you're doing a small, simple transaction, but it's absolutely worthwhile. Yeah, it's a long process, so definitely get started sooner than later. And uh, like literally, we just got our um, our logo copywritten. So now we have the name and logo. So super happy to have that. And I got it on Friday <laughs> in a nice box from my, my lawyer. So that's really what we used the, the money for was to hire initial folks to help us knock out this list of 8,000 restaurants we had to go through, make sure the business is set up correctly um, with our lawyers and stuff like that, get everything copywritten. And I was able to also hire one developer as well to start helping me, helping me build, build the product, build the, you know, build the app out a little bit more. Did all those 8,000 restaurants just come in in one shot? Did it, they come in over the course of the year or was it like one, one week? It was just, oh my gosh, there's 8,000. I have 8,000 emails in my inbox. Yeah, it was pretty much, they all came in the same month, uh, which was June of 2020 when we got that 150,000. So I'd say about like, at least 60% of that number came in in that month. Wow. Yeah, it was it's unbelievable. It was unbelievable when I go back and look at the spike we had in the data history is just incredible. Have you had another spike like that since then? What's your what's your second best month in terms of uh restaurant requests and downloads? Um usually, you know, during like Juneteenth time of year, uh during Black History Month time of the year and also, if we're, we see a spike, if we were on like the news or something like that, or some other, some big, some big uh, media outlet. And then we also see spikes, as terrible as it is when something terrible happens to a, a Black person at an establishment that doesn't look like us. Mm. Uh, so that usually is another point in time where people are like, why are you there? You see Noker to find a similar great restaurant, you know, so that will happen. That's interesting. Um, how, how do you feel about that in terms of as being a business owner and different forces that make people gravitate towards your mission and your product? Again, and there's a part of it that's, you know, yeah. completely like joyful and wonderful. And there's a part of it that's really not Right. There's, very, there's a very serious part of this conversation, you know, just, just historically, but the Green Book even, people refer to us as a Green Book, which was, you know, a book or mm -hmm. a book or index of places and uh, safe places for Black people to travel uh, and visit, dine uh, back in the day. So we, we kind of get referred to it as that sometimes. We don't, we don't love that because we want people to support always like always just have being be mindful of who they're supporting you know it doesn't always have to be a black owned restaurant or anything like that but you know just just make sure you have this option where you can support a black owned restaurant and be intentional if that's what you want to do or maybe just looking for a cuisine you know Jamaican cuisine or you want to try something different but we try not to live off of the negativity and that's the only time you should be supporting Eat Okra or supporting a Black-owned restaurant. You know, our mission is to make sure 365 days a year we are highlighting, amplifying Black-owned restaurants uh, in a positive way, not as a result of anything negative. Well, I do think that, you know, everything, you know, everything, if you look closely enough, you know, there's two sides to each coin in terms of businesses. And I do think that increasingly people want to know where their food comes from as one primary point of interest. People want to know 
Who is making their food? Where is it coming from? Is this a farm? Is this a company? Is it down the street? Did it come on a boat from New Zealand? You know, what's the carbon footprint? Is it, how was it made? How was it raised? Is it good for people? Is it good for the planet? So people, when it comes to food, they're really sort of microscopically increasingly interested in all of the details because they want to understand what they're supporting financially, what they're supporting in terms of business, and then also what they're putting into their you know, bodies and what they're feeding their families. So th- I think that that conversation is something that people are increasingly looking at, you know, restaurants and menus and what, what do I know about this business? And then also, I think when it comes to businesses in the communities, especially since the pandemic, um, you know, you walk down the street and you have boarded up stores like we do in New York City, and that is devastating. And so to know and to understand who, how the businesses work and who gets the money and how it's all working, I think those are things that people are just being more and more thoughtful about just generally. I'm going yeah. to support this place because I'm going to support this coffee shop, not just because I like this coffee shop, but because they are using coffee beans that are grown and raised and sold in an equitable, correct way for the people who make it and the migrants. And it's brought here and in a great way. And there are so many um, elements that people are evaluating, I think, when it comes to how they spend their money and, and what kind of food they, they buy. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it literally jogged my memory about, I'd say about 60, about two months ago, I was at um, like a Best Buy type of store buying a, a tablet for to give to an owner because we're releasing a new feature. So he needed a tablet. And this guy walks up to me, he recognized me, and he said, you know, thank you for what you're doing on Edokra. I lost 40 pounds using your app during COVID. Wow. I was like, wow, like I never heard that before. But yes, you know, that answer that's just specifically like is to your point that, you know, he started to eat healthier as a result of finding restaurants on the app that were more healthy, like vegan, vegetarian, or mm-hmm. just just not taking in, you know, the fast food, fast food and fried foods of the world, um, fast food locations, you know, that yeah. weren't as healthy. So prime example of somebody Um, using the app and to better their health. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a testimonial for a commercial. And that is the perfect segue into finding out who is supporting this episode of Tech Bytes. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit? We keep the lights on and the mics hot. Out of the generosity of our members, many of whom are listeners like you, grants and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. I'm Chava Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is an app called Eat Okra. It's a story we've been following back in since 2019. If you're interested in learning more about Eat Okra, go to eatokra.com or go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and download it for Android. 
If you want to follow them on social media, they are at Eat Okra, the app. We are talking with Anthony Edwards, who is co-founder of the app, along with adding two new titles to his moniker, CEO and CTO. Those are new since he was on in 2019 and 2020. He is also joined with Jason Wallace, who is Director of Business Solutions, which is a brand new seat and title. So we have them both here on the show today because they are, again, launching a new round of fundraising. And this is a big round of fundraising. They are on wefunder.com backslash eat okra. And um, this is a big evaluation. And this is a big round of money. And this is really, I think, solidifying the business going into the future. So Anthony, tell us about where the company is valued and what you hope to raise on this current round, which launched on Sunday, June 19th, Juneteenth, and also Father's Day. So a lot of good juju for you. Yes, a lot of good, <laughs> very exciting times. Uh, you know, thank you again for having my partner and I on this call. Uh, but yeah, we're we're excited. It's been six years, six, seven years in the making. Uh, and we're officially ready to launch our first official pre-seed round on WeFunder. Uh, we chose WeFunder because... Essentially, it's a community that that got us to where we're at. You know, it wasn't about us spending a lot of money on advertising dollars or anything like that. We didn't have it for one <laughs> to spend, and two, you know, our growth has really been a part of like it started and always always has been with the community. So we felt like we wanted to launch our round and give like you know give discount and everything on WeFunder. Give those people who really grew the platform an opportunity to be a part of, be a part owner of the company, essentially. So super excited. We are raising 2.5 million to last us for the next 18 months. And that money is- 2.5 million dollars. Yes. That's a lot of money. That's a lot more than the 30,000 you raised back (laughs) in 2020. Considerably more, yes. But it's worth noting, what is Eat Okra valued at right now for this raise? We are valued at about $17 million. That's amazing. Can we just take a pause for a moment and say your app business is valued at $17 million today? I mean, congratulations is an understatement considering how many founders and apps and tech businesses, especially things associated with restaurants, just don't make it out of the first year or two years. Yeah, we're super fortunate to be in this position to continue to build a brand and a product and get some sort of recognition that we're able to be here because it's, it's not easy as a black founder tech company uh we're still has its challenges we by no means have made it but you know it's certainly um a contribution from your consumers and our consumers like to help us get there is like super appreciated so at what point did jason come on board jason thank you for joining us today no problem thank you for having me well, what higher number was Jason? Um, see, Jason came in, when are you coming in, January, Jason? Or it's been a little longer than that? Yeah, it was uh, late 19, early 20, 2020, late 2019, early like 2020. Wow, it's been a minute. Yeah, So Jason was probably like, you know, first, <laughs> like second or third um, higher. And he is the person who brings the restaurant experience as a as a pri- prior chef and restaurateur and CIA grad and chairman of the New York State Restaurant Association, which had, which probably should be an episode unto itself because I'm sure you have lots of interesting stories there. Um, so you're the restaurant connector. You're the person who has the restaurant experience. That is correct. 35 years restaurant operations, absolutely. And are you happy to not be in a restaurant anymore? No, I'm actually always in restaurants. I keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening. Um, I consult for many restaurants across the country. So I am behind the scenes, literally um, opening inventory, closing inventory, staffing issues, uh, build uh, build out uh, design. I have probably had three projects at any one time with either retrofitting existing second generation restaurants or brand new build outs, um, which means that, you know, we're 
I'm arguing with architects and interior designers about form and function. So from the point of view of both now being a restaurateur and a chef, and then now being the director of business solutions for Eat Okra, what is, you think, the principal benefit to restaurants to be on the platform? So nationally, independent restaurants underperform or are distressed as opposed to uh, multi-unit restaurants. So what we mean by that is multiple unit restaurants, whether they're independently owned and they have more than one or their franchises, the success rates are higher because the competitive advantage is they're able to utilize the skill sets of executive level thinking and pair it with unit level operations. So that means everything from, again, design and layout, equipment selection, menu development, menu engineering, and human resource training. So they're able to, to, to pull all those resources together. Whereas independent restaurateurs, you know, they're wearing many hats. You know, they caught up in the minutia of the day-to-day operations. And, you know, they don't really have the ability or the time and or the ability to kind of analyze, synthesize, and evaluate, you know, where their companies are going. So there's, a, there's two things. You have a business and then you have the company itself. And most independent restaurants are underperforming, which means their net operating income is below 10% annually. Now, when you, when you simmer that down and you focus even more on African-American restaurants, um, you know, all of, the, all, of, all of those numbers are even, you know, greater when it comes to distressed or underperformance and really not being able to maximize profit and build wealth through restaurant operations. So it's an interesting, um, you know, it sounds very similar actually to what Anthony was talking about in terms of working on Eat Okra earlier. It's restaurants are almost the original startups, I always think. You know, they bootstrap, they have friends and family around. And it's such a long, hard day and there's so much going on. I am always thinking of the saying um, that we use for tech startups and entrepreneurs, but I think it really applies to restaurants as well, which is when you're a business owner, you need to work on your business, not in your business. Absolutely. And I think so many people get caught up in, as you said, in the day-to-day minutiae. What do you think the next... So Anthony said that this 2.5 million... Yes, yes. Wow, that's such a big number. It's exciting. The 2.5 is is fuel for a runway of 18 months. What do you see the evolution in the app from your point of view for your restaurant customers in terms of what that raise is going to do and make possible over the next year and a half? Right. So most restaurants, if you're underperforming, that means you you may not have liquid cash or the, or the funds to actually even hire a consultant that you may desperately need. So now Okra has the ability to provide wraparound services for independently owned Black-owned restaurants. So that means that now we have an Okra Academy that people could have one-on-one classes, master level classes with myself and other industry professionals to kind of walk them through how, you know, how do you have repeatable strategies, right? We can engineer profits in the restaurant industry. There's only a hundred pennies in every dollar. So when, when I'm able to teach and educate restaurateurs on what 1% of a million dollars represents, and more importantly, if we could self, save 1% across five or six different areas within the restaurant, we've just saved you 5%. So now Eat Okra is an advocate for black owned restaurants. So there's a there's an advocacy part of our mission and our core values that allows us to go out and provide these services and and give these resources to these restaurants that desperately need it. It's a really interesting direction to be taking for something for an app that on the surface really is, you know, hey, let's order some delivery. Let's find a great place to go eat. And it has, you know, just really kind of an easygoing everyday, um, you know, digital phone book, digital menu point of view. 
Um, moving forward into, you know, education and advocacy for an industry that is so fragmented. I mean, I think one of the things that the pandemic showed us when we looked at the different restaurant organizations that came together to lobby in Washington, you know, the restaurant industry far outweighs numbers of employees and businesses when you compare it to something like the airline industry. But because the airline industry is cohesive and they have a unified front together, they are able to wield a lot more power. And as you said earlier, Jason, you know, a lot of restaurants are just independent people. They're just, you know, small business, you know, on your on your corner. And you know, they don't have that power in numbers. So I guess part of what the mission of Eat Okra has always been is to sort of create a power in numbers and sort of the high tide that raises all ships. Um, Anthony, has this advocacy and education really for the business always been part of your roadmap? Or has that been something that has come to light as you became better and better acquainted with the restaurant businesses themselves? Yeah, at its core, Eat Okra has always been about keeping bit like restaurants in business, keeping, you know, different food suppliers that are black owned in business. Um, really with, with Jason coming on the team, it really opened up an opportunity for us to, to get into that space. But, you know, this, that's just part of what we're doing with the 2.5 uh, a big part of what we're raising the money for is to allow people to order food directly inside of Eat Okra uh, on our website and on our mobile app. We, you know, we understand through our data that people are using the features we we uh, created to link out to, you know, the DoorDashes, the Grubhubs, the other third-party partners. So we understand that a lot of people are interested in ordering food. You know, ordering food is growing year over year. And we want to make sure that now we're capturing that order. We're we're providing the savings to the restaurant and also to the to the customer and keep that keep that dollar in-house and provide even more savings by offering a solution where people can order food, uh, food and beverage right within Edoka. So that money is to to fully build that out. And it's also to hire a sales team to activate this this new uh, feature for us in our key markets, which are New York, Atlanta, D.C., uh, and, and Houston, L.A., Chicago. When you started, when you had the idea for it back in 2016, that night you and Janique were kind of looking, walking around Brooklyn looking for a place to go. Did you imagine that you would be here today? No, I, I, you know, I definitely was not thinking about ordering food within the platform. I think, you know, delivery has been, has grown so much as we get going because everybody wants their food instantly. We're cooking less. Groceries, are, prices are growing and, up. And the pandemic, growing, growing yes, the, and the pandemic, pandemic really yeah. had a huge impact huge. in delivery. And it was already something that was trending and something people were used to doing. So it, it was able to scale really very rapidly. Uh, and and there's a, a large percentage of people who just got used to a new level of convenience or people who are still working from home or have a lot of time at home with their families. And delivery is, you know, continuing to grow. It's also very contentious uh, kind of topic, the third party delivery apps in the restaurant community. And I don't want to get in the weeds about it because delivery is something we've covered quite a bit on this show. We did a series about delivery last year. Um, and how it really can be very detrimental to restaurants. And while on the one hand, people think they are helping support a restaurant, oftentimes if you're ordering from that restaurant through a third-party app like an Uber or like a Seamless, the restaurant could very likely be losing money on that delivery. So by incorporating something like that into your platform and just keeping people there, um, it's great for your business, but it's also great for restaurant business if they're not getting, you know, just 80% of the sale or they're, you know, paying 15% plus only getting 80%. You know, oftentimes they drive the the order value down to the point that, you know, it, it it's hard for, it's even becomes even harder for restaurants to make money. And I don't know how aware of that consumers are. And it's certainly something that we've tried to, talk about on this show. 
there are so many pitfalls to trying to support the restaurant and the people that you want to support sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes technology gets in the way, um, like these third-party apps, and sometimes technology can help you support the restaurants and the businesses that you want to, like Eat Okra. So last question for both of you um, before we go. And one last thing I will say, WeFunder is a very interesting platform. Um, and I'm hoping that we'll do a show a little bit later in the year with WeFunder. As we know from talking to so many founders and entrepreneurs, funding is the thing. You know, somebody's got to put their money where their mouth is to make the wheels turn. And um, access to dollars is always a challenge. Uh, WeFunder is interesting. Um, it gives companies access to funding, but in this instance, it also gives regular people an opportunity to invest and support businesses in ways that they wouldn't before. Um, it has a very small threshold for investment, around $100. Um, you don't have to be accredited. Um, it is very risky. Um, any investment is risky. You essentially should be ready to never see that money again. Absolutely read all the fine print. But it's an interesting platform because it sort of is allowing more access, not just to the business owner, but also to people who want to support it, regular people. You know, you don't need like 10 grand or a hundred thousand or a million dollars. You know, you can you can put in a hundred. Um, so that I, I think is worth noting as well. And probably a, a good part of the reason why you chose WeFunder as your platform. Yes, actually, I just got an email yesterday or the day before that, you know, funding for black, for black, um, black founders is down about sixty percent from last quarter. Oh my this gosh! Quarter. So I think it was about one point two billion uh, last quarter, and this quarter they've only seen three hundred and seventy million uh, as far as investment capital going towards black. Black founded companies. So that's it. That's, that's the exact reason why we are we we're raising part of our round on WeFunder. You know, it's to one, it's to give the opportunity to those that have been supporting us for all these years an opportunity to to be business owners. And two, you know, that funding is not always can't rely on VC funding or venture capital, that threshold is still very hard to get into. Still only 1.2% of investment is going to Black-owned businesses. And with things happening in the markets as they are now, that money is becoming even more scarce. So we need to broaden our, our thinking on how we're going to race this round. Yeah. And I would be curious, and again, probably another show, but how that decrease in numbers reflects in terms of percentages of interest, if it's inflation, if it's recession, if it's people pulling back on money, if it's people putting, holding their money, putting it into uh, more tangible assets. Um, it would be interesting to take a look at that and see you know, how investments are across the board. Um, as always, we are out of time, which is why we keep having Anthony come back to talk about Eat Okra. Um, last thoughts. What do you think we're going to talk about when you come on the show next, which theoretically should be uh, a year from now in June, a year or two from now in June? Uh, I think our main goal is that, you know, we're definitely national with allowing people to order within the product. Our Jason's program that he's building on education, lending is really thriving and off the ground. And for, for, the, for the product, We'll, we'll be thinking about allowing people to um, have ticket and purchasing within the app. So allowing people to um, purchase tickets on like food festivals, things like um, dinner parties or brunch parties, you know, all those fun things, even classes, virtual classes like cooking or making, making peach cobbler or something like that. Um, making sure there's a, a platform for that within Edoka as well. So we have a lot of lot of things, and we're also, you know, thinking about being what it looks like to be in, international as well. Okay, international. Jason, where do you see? What do you think you'll be talking about when you come back on the show in in 24 months? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like for us to be able to bring data. Um, you know, factual driven data that really speaks to the black restaurant tour across the country. Um, that information is, is, is missing right now. 
Um, and, you know, we'd like to be able to come back and say, you know, this is, these are the numbers and this is how we've been able to positively impact communities, knowing that restaurants are the fabric of our communities. Um, and this is how many restaurants we have saved. Uh, currently, out of all three minority categories, Black, Asian, Hispanic, um, Black ownership is the lowest. Asians, 19%, Hispanics, 14%, and Blacks, 9%. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a data geek um, in terms of numbers, and I like for us to be able to come back in the next 12 to 24 months and saying that we had a positive impact, EDOC had a positive impact on increasing those numbers in a positive way. Well, we will look forward to hearing that, and we're kind of geeky on this show as well because technology mm -hmm. is often like that. I want to thank Anthony Edwards, co-founder, CEO, and CTO of Eat Okra, along with Jason Wallace, the director of Business Solutions. Eatokra.com, if you want to take a look at the website, the different restaurants. If you are a restaurant and you want to get involved, that's a good place to start. Follow them on social media at Eat Okra, the app. You can download them at the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. If you want to listen to more episodes with Eat Okra, first had them on in 2019, Tech Bytes episode 164, and back in 2020, episode 210. If you really love this idea and you think maybe you want to take a risk and invest some money, go to wefund.com backslash eat okra. And again, I am not a financial advisor and neither is Heritage Radio. So read the fine print and do your due diligence. But it's always nice to see what's happening in the world around you. Likewise, if you love this show and you think these are important stories that we need to share and tell and record and save for posterity, go to heritageradionetwork.org and invest in us. Make a donation today. Maybe what you're going to spend on lunch. It'll help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.